96% relative humidity. And now the news with Samantha Butler. The U.S. President-elect Joe Biden has criticized distribution of the coronavirus vaccine, saying it's fallen behind schedule under the Trump administration and that at the present pace it would take years to vaccinate the population. Mr. Biden said he planned one million vaccinations a day with 100 million shots in the first 100 days of his term. But he warned the country faced a tough period fighting the pandemic. People getting infected today don't show up in cases for weeks. And those who perish from the disease die weeks after initial exposure. So we have to anticipate that the infections over the holidays will produce soaring cases counts in January and soaring death tolls into February. You know, turning this around is going to take time. Britain has registered another daily record number of coronavirus cases with more than 53,000 confirmed infections. Hospitals in England are now treating more patients than during the previous peak in April. Health officials in Scotland and Wales have also said they're at risk of being overwhelmed. Dr Emeka Okorocha, an emergency doctor in East London, says facilities are filling up and struggling to cope. We're in a bit of a jam where we can't actually admit patients and we're seeing patients where we can Ambulances are chock-a-blocked and we're having to see patients there and it poses a problem for them and obviously the people who need more ambulances and emergency care. So it's, it is quite difficult right now. The Republican leader in the U.S. Senate, Mitch McConnell, has blocked initial attempts by the Democrats to increase aid sent to individuals under the latest stimulus package. The increase from $600 to $2,000 was approved by the House of Representatives on Monday. The Democratic leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, urged his Republican colleagues to support the larger payments. An overwhelming bipartisan majority in the House supports 2,000 checks. Senate Democrats strongly support $2,000 checks. Even President Trump supports $2,000 checks. There's one question left today. Do Senate Republicans join with the rest of America in supporting $2,000 checks? The latest reports from Croatia say an earthquake which struck the centre of the country has left at least seven people dead. The epicentre of the 6.4 magnitude quake was near the town of Petrinja, about 50 kilometres from the capital Zagreb. Rescue efforts are continuing with hundreds of soldiers sent to help. The Croatian president Zoran Milanovic spoke of the fear of those caught up in the quake. I think it's the biggest blow to people, the fear you feel, shaking above you and around you. What has been destroyed and damaged will be rebuilt. It's a problem, but it's a minor problem, in fact. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today, Anna Fenton. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. So, the government has concluded that a century-year-old underground reservoir in Sham Shui Po that wants to be demolished should instead be preserved after public pressure prompted the authorities to suspend work at the site. The Antiquities and Monuments Office, the AMO, is launching a study to ascertain the conservation value of the structure and Michael Wong, Development Secretary, said the administration will wait for an assessment before deciding how to proceed. Well, parts of the reservoir on Bishop Hill were already taken down by the, authority, by the time the authorities halted the demolition. 
exposing a picturesque brick interior featuring Romanesque arches. Well, do you agree with the decision to save it? What do you make of the circumstances in which it was saved? And what would you do with it with it now? Email us your thoughts. Backchat at rthk.hk is our email address, or you can call us, and our telephone number is 233-88266, 233-88266, or you can always comment on our Facebook page. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, and also, uh, don't forget, we are running at the moment our Backchat Person of the Year. A reminder that uh, you can follow the link from our Facebook page or from the RTHK Radio 3. Uh, homepage uh, and uh, get to the uh, polling page. Uh, we're just taking votes uh, online um, this year. You can select from the uh, ten that we've uh, ten names that we've assembled for the person uh, or thing that you think is uh, most significant this year. Uh, just a reminder of uh, who they are. The uh, ten finalists. Uh, let's take them in reverse order for for a change. Uh, I mean, just the order that they're uh, presented on the page, which is uh, no particular order. We have. Bella Cossa, the uh, RTHK reporter, frontline health workers uh, in Hong Kong, Carrie Lam, our chief executive, uh, David Webb, a shareholder, activist and commentator, frequent guest on this programme, of course, uh, Apple Daily, the popular newspaper, Professor Ben Cowling, another regular guest and epidemiologist at the University of Hong Kong, uh, unknown cleaners, the people uh, who work on our streets and public areas, keeping Hong Kong clean and safe, uh, Dr. Chan Shuk Kwan, who's head of of the Centre for Health Protection's Communicable Disease Branch and the uh, regular spokesperson on COVID-19 for the uh, authorities uh, during the uh, current situation. Uh, the Fanling Golf Course, someone wanted to nominate the Fanling Golf Course as a valuable uh, recreational and environmental uh, resource. Uh, and uh, Peter Choi, who's a veteran of the Battle of Hong Kong in the Second World War, who died in 2020. Uh, pick one of those people and uh, give us a vote. Uh, go to the uh, page, uh, as I say, from Facebook or from the RTHK Radio 3 homepage and uh, follow the instructions to cast your vote for our Person of the Year 2020. We're taking votes over, the, uh, the, over this period uh, and over the new year and we will be revealing the winner in the, uh, in the middle of our first programme of the new year. That's on uh, January the 4th. That's on uh, Monday. So we, voting goes on until 9 o'clock on uh, Monday for our back chat person of the year. And we'll see who the lucky winner is um, this year. We've had all kinds of people who've won it in the past. Uh, Long Hair, I think, had been a previous winner. Uh, and Anson Chan. We had a bomb disposal expert from the uh, police who uh, previously won it. Uh, we had the, I think we had the... Uh, the uh, members of Occupy Central, I think they were winners, and we had uh, Poi Poi the Crocodile as well, uh, who was a winner in uh, previous years. Um, so there you go, that's Back Chat, uh, Person of the Year. Um, also, before we go on, I think we should have a little um, weather update. <laughs> We've had an in- email from uh, Dan, Dan Van Hoy, who signs himself an outdoor human, uh, also assistant uh, organiser of the Hong Kong Hiking Meetup, uh, and he wants to talk about the uh, wind actually the wind and the cold weather alert at uh, i think anna you had some experience of the wind as well you yes the, it was a touch and go whether the ferry would come from moiwo this morning it was late and it was bouncing around like 
really <laughs> alarmingly. Yeah, it's quite strong, wasn't it? Okay. Well, Dan says much the same. He says uh, just a heads up for outdoor humans. Uh, as I write, it's two point nine degrees Celsius on Taimo Shan. The winds are guft- gusting over ninety kilometers an hour on the higher hills, but even in lower elevations such as Sai Kung and Green Island at the west end of Hong Kong Island, it is gusting over eighty kilometers at times. Layers of clothes and a windbreaker are the attire of the day. Take care, everybody. So if it's 2.9 uh, already on Time Ocean, looks like they're heading for ice on Time Ocean. Oh, icicles. Do you remember when there were icicles and they melted because so many people went up to look at them and breathed on them? <laughs> I, do remember, I do remember that. I was, one of the, I was one of the people who went up and got completely stuck uh, <laughs> on uh, Feynor Shan. Yeah, it was quite, quite fun, actually. It was snow. It was, it was snow. And uh, as I say, we were, we were completely um, snowed in. It was an extraordinary situation uh, in, in Hong Kong. Um, uh, also, uh, comment, uh, this is related to a, a discussion. I think yesterday uh, in back chats, uh, Anthony S says on the topic of Brexit and Scotland. To put it in British terms, Scotland has become the X factor in all this. The Scottish people got a raw deal this time. Looks like they are on their way out. The United Kingdom won't be that united after all. See you in Brussels, Scott. Once again, thanks for nothing, David Cameron. Rest in peace, Sir Sean Connery. That is the analysis from Anthony S. Thank you very much indeed. As I say, if you want to comment, backchat at rthk.hk is our email address. Turning to the uh, main topic today, the uh, future and the preservation of this uh, extraordinary uh, reservoir which has been found in uh, Bishop Hill in uh, Sham Shui Po. Uh, For this first part of the programme, between now and nine o'clock, we're joined by Albert Lai, policy convener with uh, Professional Commons and uh, an engineer. Uh, Mr Lai, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Thank you very much indeed for for joining us. First of all, did you know anything about this? It seems to have caught everybody by surprise, this extraordinary structure. Did you have any inkling of what was going on there? No, not at all. Not not, not before uh, it was revealed by the residents of in some shape or Now, because I mean, this reservoir has been uh, disused since the 1970s. Um, so, you know, everybody thought that, well, I mean, no, nobody actually had a chance to go inside to take a look, obviously. Uh, and that um, apparently even the uh, WSD, the Water Service Department itself, have very little information. I mean, when they reported to the uh, district council. They simply said this is a basically underground reservoir, you know, with low special features. So that's why it's all been um, overlooked by everyone. Well, from the pictures, it looks like it's just got a grassy bank on the top of it. Is it completely invisible from from the ground? It is. It is completely invisible. Yeah, um, um, and that uh, you know, because usually it's, it, with this type of underground reservoir. Um, you know, you don't have many entrances. You don't need any, any entrance, really, uh, except for maintenance. You know, probably, I think there's probably one or two entrances uh, which is blocked. Uh, and so over the years, the Kai farms there, the residents there, basically use the top of the reservoir. They just assume this is a, you know, a small playground and, and, and had all their Tai Chi and so on over there. So, so um, now, but, but having said that, um, it is... Um, if you look at the whole saga, it really is a is a gross mismanagement of of our uh, of of our heritage uh, asset uh, um, because um, apparently the WSD had applied to the AMO uh, three years ago 
um, you know, for an assessment before they uh, they started the demolition. So, but the AMO basically, you know, ignored the the, the request and um, you know just just gave the approval and, and and go ahead. You know, so that is really uh, uh, quite alarming. You know that the system has failed again. Uh, remember uh, the saga about Ken Yin Lei, um, uh, you know, on the Hong Kong Island side. I mean, there's another heritage, um, and that uh, the government, uh, you know, kept ignoring uh, that uh, uh, the significance of the site until it uh, a demolition started in Ken Yin Lei. So it, that, that that story was quite similar to this one. Because mm, once they're knocked down, they're knocked down, aren't they? It's it's too late then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think I think um, now. I mean, if you look at the, this site, this is this was built over hundred years ago. It was completed in 1904, um, and that um, uh, as far as we know uh, from from the uh, documents so far, this is uh, this is the second oldest the, the second oldest. Uh, 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 underground reservoir in the Kowloon area, and there's another one in um, um, near Yaomate. Um, so, um, so this site definitely has has a lot of significance, and because of its structure, this uh, Roman-styled uh, pillars and so on, so that certainly, uh, I mean, it's no doubt, it is really worth uh, uh, conserving. Um, but I think actually the focus now should really be on why the system has failed us again. Um, and the fact that you know we have this AMO, we have uh, AAB, the uh, the advisory body, and, and also the Heritage Commissioner, and then you have the Secretary for Development uh, as the conservation authority under the ordinance. Um, so none of this actually works. So so uh, that is something that uh, calls for a, a serious reform of the entire system. Is it that they don't care, or that nobody takes accountability? Um, now, we actually had quite a, a series of similar incidents uh, you know, over 10 years ago. Actually, that was back when um, Kerry Lam was a development secretary uh, and, uh, you know, under her, under her watch, you know, we had lost a few heritage sites. And then, and Ken Yin Lei, as, as I just mentioned, um, you know, after the demonstrations began, you know, she immediately uh, came into the picture and then uh, declared this to be a provisional monument and so on. Now, so at, even in those days, we know that the system is faulty. In fact, um, you know, in my other capacity as the, con as the director of the Conservancy Association, we have submitted quite a few papers in those days to the government to ask for reform of the entire system, like, for example, turning AAB into a statutory body like the campaigning board so that they have the authority uh, and broader representation uh, to oversee uh, the conservation of heritage. Now, but no reform has ever been taken at all. Um, and that um, uh, the uh, AAB, the advisory board, um, do not have an independent secretariat. So, in other words, although we do have some experts there, but they can't do anything unless and until the AMO, um, representing the government, um, pass information to them. So, in this case, the AMO basically ignore the request from the WSD, and uh, apparently they didn't pass 
much information at all, and they didn't do any site in, in investigation themselves. Um, and so the the, the uh, AAB became a um, proper stem um, to allow the uh, demolition to go ahead. So um, I, I really think that this is time to start a serious reform of the entire heritage conservation uh, system. So they're just slack? Yes. Uh, now, if, if you really look at the root causes, I think one is that um, um, uh, heritage has never been seen as a serious, uh, 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 well, has never been on the top of the agenda. In the more, more than that, Albert, and I can take you back to the days when I used to write speeches for the great Donald, the other Donald, and he would say quite openly that if they want heritage, they can pay for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that's right. Uh, and, and that's, and structurally, we have, I mean, this is actually, we have some built-in structural flaws in the system. Now, because the Secretary for Environment, which is obviously responsible for development, sorry, the Secretary for Development, and it was one of the development, is also... Uh, the conservation authority. Mm. So, so how can you have one person? Uh, you know, on one hand, you know he's he's pushing for development. On the other hand, he's pushing for conservation at the same time. So, 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 uh, so that that is actually we see that as an inherent conflict. You know, why from the top? Completely, that's the poacher and gamekeeper all at once, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and then if you look down the system, as I said, AMO is just a small office inside a large department, um, and then they are serving the uh, AAB. Whereas the AAB is only an advisory body, really. Uh, I mean, there were times that even the AAB, as an advisory board, recommended the protection of certain monuments, but they could easily be, um, uh, uh, their, their, their views can, can easily be overwritten by the, the, by the secretary, because you know, he is the real authority. Um, and that... Um, the AAB itself does not have an independent secretariat. So even if they, if certain members uh, wanted to investigate uh, into issues like this, they don't have the resources and they don't have independent uh, channels of information. Um, so, so, so independent is, is, is another problem uh, in the system or the lack of independent father. Well, sorry, one thing that strikes me is, and I don't know, you know, not really a historian, uh, Al, but, but why were they building this kind of reservoir in 1903 in Sham Shui Po? I couldn't imagine there'd be a need for that kind of thing then. Do you know? Well, if you talk, no, if you talk about the, the need for a reservoir, it, it, this is, there is really a need. Because, now, in those days, uh, Kowloon, well, that, this was built actually uh, in 1904. Um, just after, well, actually during the time when, uh, when, the, when, when the British um, got hold of uh, Liu territory. Yeah. Um, now, because Kowloon's population was expanding at that time, so, so there's not enough uh, 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 water supply. In fact, you know, we, when we look at the historical documents in the worst days, there's only one hour of water supply for the whole of Kowloon at one time. So, so that's why they urgently need to well, and they, then they, so that's why the government at the time, the colonial government, uh, builds the Kowloon Reservoir, and then they have to bring the water up to this underground reservoir. This is really a service reservoir. So they are at the top of the hill so that they can um, provide pressure uh, by gravity 
you know, to the entire population in Kowloon. So this is very, uh, you, you can say it's a standard, but it's also a very ingenious um, system um, to take advantage of the topography of the Kowloon Peninsula to, to, for water supply. So okay. that was a gravity feed um, that's right. That's right. That, that, that's the whole purpose of the reservoir. So you pump the water from the Kowloon reservoir to this underground reservoir in Samshui Po, which is at the top of the hill, mm. and then by gravity it can fit to all the, you know, everyone in in, in Kowloon. Mm. Uh, okay, we've got we've got a call on the line. Our number is two three three eight eight two six six. We'd love to hear from you. I think it's Guy. Guy, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? <laughs> Not bad, thank you. Good. Merry Merry Christmas. Sunshine, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I'd like to talk about the reservoir first of all. I did send in an email. Yeah. It's a very interesting article entitled Bishop Hill, um, and under a, under the um, headline of uh, preservation. Um, and the groups who use Bishop Hill, otherwise known as Warchai Hill, um, uh, have been. Um, doing a lot of work up there and trying to get some interest from the government in uh, developing it as a general rec- recreation area. And they, they really weren't aware of the fact that there was this uh, Romanesque reservoir underneath the, the uh, summit of the hill, and neither did I. I used to run around that, the perimeter at the top um, quite regularly, I'd run up the hill and then run circuits around and down, and I never realised there was such a structure. So there's so no, I'm, <coughs> nothing I'm to see then at all. No, I, I certainly never saw anything. So I imagine that when this demolition work started, somebody managed <coughs> to sneak in and have a look and realise what was going on. Is it is so it fenced off then? Is it the the, the the top of the hill? It's right at the top. Yes, I imagine. Um, again, I don't know, but I. I the, I imagine they pumped water up there and uh, into this huge reservoir. So sorry, guy, but you, so you ran, you kind of, you run around the edge of it, did you? But the, the top of the hill was fen- is fenced off. Is that right? The, the, the actual summit was uh, fenced off, uh-huh. but there was a very nice undulating perimeter um, circuit track around the top, which I used to run. It only take about five minutes per circuit, but. Um, Yes, it's a beautiful green lung in the middle of Kowloon at the back of the, uh, the police club in Boundary Street. Um, the, uh, the other thing I'd like to mention since the subject of conservation in general came up is um, my attempt to get the AMO and the AAB to uh, accept that Hong Kong's oldest man-made structures, which are the boulder trackways, uh, granite bridges, and stone way markers, uh, which preceded the British by two or three centuries, should be granted um, monument status. And um, they're called Hong Kong boulder trackways, um, and they used to um, emanate from Kowloon Wall City um, up the middle and both sides of the NT, there were examples also on Hong Kong Island, um, and very, very good examples of them are still to be found in the country parks and the rural areas of the New Territories in particular. And I've been, um, my website indicates that uh, this project has been going 
5,030 days since launch. Um, and my attempts with the Commissioner for Heritage and the AAB to get some attention have always fallen by the wayside. In fact, uh, once I did get the attention uh, of the AAB, they told me that I could come along eventually and give a presentation. They never called me, and in fact, they spent $800,000 uh, with a, on a consultancy doing what I'd already done before. So it would be nice if there is any genuine interest in resurrecting Hong Kong's attempts at uh, cultural preservation, that this could be included. It's, it's bizarre that these uh, examples of Chinese ingenuity in Hong Kong are being totally ignored. Yeah, those those are the old trackways that you see, as you say, in the country parks and some other places, which were made with those very, very solid stones, and you see them going up through wooded areas and, and things like this. Fairly common. How, how do you know if they're old or not? Are they all old? I'm just curious. Um, yes, they, I mean, they must be two or three hundred years old. Mm. I'm no real expert, but uh, uh, other people who've looked into it in the past... Um, in fact, the Hong Kong Archaeological Society did a survey. Um, am, am I still there? Yes, you are. Yeah, go on. Yep. Um, they did a survey for the then Urban Council um, in 1982 through to 1985, produced a report, uh, recommended uh, um, that they should be um, uh, preserved and, and made into monuments, but... Uh, even back then, nothing was done. So uh, it's a great shame, and um, they deserve to be recognised, preserved, maintained, and in fact turned into a form of eco uh, tourism, perhaps. Yeah, they, they, I mean they are very striking, exceptional. Yeah, the huge stones that have been, you know, lifted up to those to those great heights, crossing the the hills and and, and so on. So you said there was a, there was a consultancy that was done. What did they right. What did they conclude? Did they say they were worth preserving or worth noting? Well, um, they yes they 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 did. They produced a massive report, uh, which was then shelved and never discussed again. Um, a typical example of uh, the way that the government operates, I'm afraid. Um, the, the consultants did contact me, and I did show them um, examples in Tai Kong. Um, but when the report came out, they, quite often the, the people that they engaged to do the survey reported that the, uh, oh, the trackway is too overgrown to survey properly, so we're not going to do it, which mm. is uh, quite pointless. Yeah. But um, they could be waymarked uh, on the ground. They could be marked on the maps. Uh, publicity could be made of them. And um, as I said, um, they could become an interesting uh, uh, way for tourism, tour eco-tourists to enjoy themselves visiting Hong Kong mm. once this epidemic is over. Yeah, guys, many thanks for your call. Two three three eight eight two six is a number. Thank you very much indeed to you, and Merry Christmas. Oh, but Lai, do you, do you know about those the the trackways? Any, any thoughts on that? Uh, no, not really. Although, although um, I think it's interesting to hear that the Hong mm. Kong Heritage Society um, actually did a report in nineteen eighty two. I mean, they were kind of. Uh, I mean, the, the, the society was disbanded uh, in the early eighties, unfortunately. Um, 
and that um, you know they were one of the very few uh, societies uh, concerned about heritage in, in those days. Um, so, but but I think what Guy mentioned uh, indicated a, 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 you know quite a serious issue. Again, with the system, um, the lack of public participation. Um, because at the moment, AABs, even AABs meetings are basically closed-door meetings. Um, I mean, it's strange that, uh, you know, heritage conservation uh, obviously has to reflect uh, social values of the day. Uh, and yet, the public has been kind of refused both, you know, broad-based participation in the system. Uh, and so, so I, I, I'm not surprised in a way that, you know, guys' views have been ignored. Um, and that's exactly why we do need a reform of the system urgently. Mm. Uh, okay, some more interesting uh, comments. Uh, Matthew says uh, in an email, the recent history of Bishop's Hill and the decades prior to this demolition is perhaps as interesting as the current story. It was one of Hong Kong's hidden gems and quite a wonderland of trails and small shrines with a clear open space on top of the now demolished area where large numbers of people exercised each morning on well-maintained equipment. All of this done and maintained by volunteers without the government being involved. And you can read more about that in the the, uh, the uh, article that uh, Guy mentioned there. It's on uh, rethinkingurbanspace.com, uh, rethinkingurbanspace.com, all one, all one word. Uh, and there's an article there on uh, Bishop Hill, which uh, subtitles A Case of Community Action and uh, Public Governance. It's a very interesting uh, piece with uh, some photographs, lots of photographs, which will give you uh, a sense of what that site was like. And uh, as was mentioned there by Matthew, uh, people had set up their sort of uh, informal trails and shrines and uh, uh, gym equipment there. So it's, it's kind of interesting community action, as I say, before even uh, the uh, archaeological value uh, was known. Uh, Albert Lai, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us, uh, policy convener with Professional Commons. We're going to be talking to a district councillor and to an architectural conservationist after the news at nine. We want to hear from you as well. You can email backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, uh, with your thoughts uh, also on what to do uh, with the the uh, site now and uh, does it put you in mind of any other sites or things that we might be missing out on uh, in Hong Kong uh, the weather it's going to become cold appreciably fine and dry temperatures getting up to about 16 degrees uh, during the day 14 degrees now there's a cold weather warning and a strong monsoon signal been around you. What has been destroyed and damaged will be rebuilt. It's a problem, but it's a minor problem, in fact. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. Back chat this Wednesday morning, uh, 30th of December, with Anna Fenton and Lee Hugh Tiverton. We're talking about uh, today about uh, the discovery of that uh, uh, reservoir in uh, Sham Shui Po and uh, its uh, preservation and uh, what to do with it uh, as well. Uh, what went wrong? Why did this uh, have to happen? Are there any other similar sites uh, around town? We heard uh, a guy calling us this morning talking about uh, uh, trackways, the stone trackways, um, which are uh, which are very interesting. You can uh, find uh, stuff by him uh, online as well if you want more information about that. Uh, we were talking to Albert Lyon in the first part of the programme. We're joined now by Frido Chung, who's an architectural conservationist and assistant lecturer in the Faculty of Architecture at the University of Hong Kong, and Calvin Ho, who's a Sham Shui Po District Councillor. Once again, our email address, if you want to join in, backchat at rthk.hk, and our telephone number is 233-88266. Uh, we're also, of course, running our 
Bank Chat Person of the Year. Your chance to vote uh, now from our list of 10 for the person you think has been most significant uh, in the uh, last 12 months. Uh, S says, for Bank Chat Person of the Year, after watching the Straight Talk programme with Professor Ben Cowling, I am more convinced to vote for him. He gave thorough and realistic views about COVID, treatment, precautions, and also about the vaccines. We are grateful to have him. That comes uh, from S. Uh, as I say, you can go to uh, the uh, Facebook page and follow links from there or the RTHK Radio 3 homepage and follow links to our online voting for our Backchat Person of the Year. Uh, S also says, another great monument we lost is Euston Castle on Bonham Road. It was developed by the late Stanley Ho uh, around the 1980s. Uh, thanks very much indeed for that, uh, S. Um, uh, Frido Chan, good morning to you. Morning. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Tell us first of all about what you know your assessment of this site. Uh, it looks—I don't know—it looks kind of photogenic. It looks pretty. Um, do you think it's significant? Is it is it worth preserving? If so, why? I think it's actually quite significant because, um, as you know, the history of Kowloon Peninsula, is, or, or actually the history of the Kowloon Reservoir system, is that um, uh, it basically marks point in time in the history of Hong Kong where the, um, the former British colonial administration finally realized that they need to actually develop the Kowloon Peninsula in earnest, and which is why they invested this huge effort into building this system of reservoirs. So in many ways, you know, if you look from a historical point of view, this is indeed a, is significant because it marks the milestone, you know, really ramping up efforts to develop Kowloon Peninsula. Mm, the Brits really loved their waterworks back in those days, didn't they? The Victorians were very into it. That's right. Um, and also, what's special about this site is that, um, well, I think there are actually lots of service reservoirs, <coughs> such as this one, you know, around Hong Kong. I mean, this is how water is supplied. So um, if you actually um, um, really deal into the terms of, you know, the... the um, what constitutes a service reservoir, as these type of reservoirs were called. Um, the purpose of this was actually to retain filtered water from the reservoir itself and then to be kept in these underground tanks so that they would not be contaminated before they're actually supplied to the general population. <clears throat> and um, most of these uh, service reservoirs which are undercovered are usually, um, well, they're disguised on the top as open areas or playgrounds. So there are actually quite a lot of these actually hidden around Hong Kong in the hillsides. So where else but, are there any? Because you know above the Queen Mary Hospital in Pok Fulam, if you walk up that way by the riding school, there's a big flat area there that's just always called the water the water tank area. Is that another one there? Yes, that's another one. So oh. I could think of another one also at the, uh, well, on the HKU campus. Well, one of the... One of the water tanks, uh, or actually the service reservoirs in the HKU campus, has been demolished, so to make way for the new Centennial campus development. So, yeah, certainly. But what makes this rare is that it's seldom that one of these decommissioned tanks become visible, <laughs> as in the case of so actually as how it actually unfolded dramatically um, in the past two days. Yeah. And because the only other example I can actually think of about the decommissioned um, service reservoir coming into, um, well, at least um, the public knowledge and then become highly visible is um, an example in Sydney 
Australia. It was the Paddington Reservoir. And um, the Paddington Reservoir in Australia actually bears remarkable similarities to what we see in, uh, well, at Shepkit May on top of um, the Wajai Shan. And so you, and then what the city government did was that, um, well, in 1999, they've actually de- uh, made it, what well, they declared it as a heritage site. And then it underwent adaptive reuse and was transformed into an urban space, a park. And now it's actually a, well, a landmark. And then it's a highly treasured asset in Sydney. And then it actually does wonders, you know, in promoting cultural tourism. Yeah. But we'll talk a little bit more about its future in, in a second. But what do you make of the circumstances? I mean, it seemed that, frankly, it was public pressure that saved this rather than the administration. What was going on? What happened? Well, I think there are actually several factors in place. So it's about, um, I think, first of all, if you look on the macro level, I think it has to do with policy and how um, the notion of built heritage is defined. Um, well, in the past, built heritage, the notion of built heritage as defined you know, by the government is usually relegated to buildings in particular, not infrastructure. So as in, you know, like uh, dams. Well, except for the, the, the Thai Tam Heritage Trail is, is very well preserved, isn't it? All the That's right, but, features there. But that policy shift only came about in 2009. Okay. So that actually was the turning point of how the government chose to define built heritage, or at least the notion of built heritage, so that it actually encompasses um, infrastructure works as well, such as the Park uh, Fulham Reservoir and also the Thai Tam Reservoir. Mm. But unfortunately, um, the notion of built heritage, or at least you know, when it's applied to infrastructure, is actually still not quite clear, because if you look at the list of infrastructure sites which has been declared heritage, they're all about ground. So they're actually quite tangible. Whereas um, in the case, you know, in Shepkit May, it's actually subterranean, so it's not accessible, it's not visible. And I think this is where the, um, the, the problem came in. So they, so this brings us to the second problem where um, when it comes to bureaucracy and um, well, it has been said that there's a lack of communication between the department, which I believe is true. But more importantly, I believe that it's actually important, you know, when we assess heritage sites to actually be there physically. So to actually send, let's say, an AMO officer to visit the site, not just rely on photographic surveys or, you know, photos or reports compiled by a third party. You actually have to be there on site. And this is how we generally do things in the heritage conservation profession. But unfortunately, in this case, the, the, this unfortunate series of events happened because nobody actually went down to the site. Open the hatches go down and take a look before demolition. So why right now, at this point in time, did suddenly somebody decide, let's demolish this? Was there um, a developer at the back of it with their BDI on this nice flat site thinking, I'll have that, thank you? Mm, I'm not sure if um, developers are involved in this because it's, um, I think it's mostly about... um, 
due diligence, I would say. What, in so case it actually, was a, worried about a landslip or a hole? or why, why now? Why suddenly get all active? I think there was, I, from what I understand, that um, the land has actually been left vacant for some time. And then, you know, it's like... Uh, and, um, well, we've heard it was being used as a running track and a sports facilities. Why couldn't it remain like that? Yeah, that's the question which I would also ask myself. <laughs> so I'm actually not quite clear about why. Because usually, you know, for um, most of these um, um, reservoirs, as I said before, you know, they're actually used as um, recreational areas, and that's the general practice. And the fact that, you know, um, that there is um, an effort to try to resume this piece of land or actually to return it to the Lands Department meant that maybe there are other plans. Well, doesn't that suggest that to you? I don't know, it's for something, but we're not sure as to what. Apparently there is a there is a, a category uh, of, um, I think some of the places that you, you mentioned uh, would fall into the official category from the Water Supplies Department of a service reservoir roof that can be used for recreational and other activities. But this was uh, not one of them. Um, that's why it was fenced off. So I think the recreational activities were kind of going around the... We're in the area around the uh, the summit and uh, up to the fence, but not actually kind of uh, in the fence. So it was in a slightly different uh, situation, as I understand it, from from other uh, similar kind of uh, service uh, reservoirs. Let's maybe bring in now Calvin Ho, Shamshire Po District Councillor. Mr. Ho, good morning to you. Good morning. What what was the story here? What did what actually happened? How far had the demolition gone, and who who blew the whistle? I think there are many problems and negligence during the consultation process. First of all, in the original document of the uh, water supply department, it is clearly stated that is a surface reservoir. Even on the map of the lands department, it is also clearly stated uh, surface reservoir. But the WSD changed the word to water tank. In the, uh, during the consultation period, even giving the document to the district council, they use water tank. Why they change the word? That's the first thing. Second one, to the AMO, uh, to AMO staff, uh, the WSD use water tank in the email and letter and inform the AMO whether they should uh, demolish this water tank. And the AMO just uh, saw the letter, oh, water tank, then it's, okay, go ahead. But do, but should they have a query? Such a more than 100 years old water tank is going to be taken down. Should they do some research or have some site visit before demo, uh, demol demolishing it? They did nothing. That's the second negligence. And the third one is, in the district council, the WSD didn't provide any information about the uh, what inside the reservoir. Is there any historical uh, heritage, or do they have any communication with the AMO? No, they just said, 
oh, there is uh, some structural problem and it will cause some uh, potential dangers. That's why we have to uh, fix it. And, to, and the method to fix it is to fill the whole reservoir with the soil surrounding. So if the, if the resident didn't unveil this uh, problem or we didn't uh, make it to the public, the whole reservoir will be buried. So th these are the problems between different departments and makes the thing become, um, oh, sorry, yeah, Mr. Ho. So, was it was it being uh, knocked down to make it safe, or was it being knocked down so that someone could build on it? So, sorry, I, I missed you. Why was it being Why was it being demolished in the first place? Well, because the WSD said uh, this reservoir has uh, has been standing idle for many years, and because it is empty inside, and the tree on on the water uh, on the reservoir, the root become penetrate mm -hmm. into the reservoir, and that's why it becomes some structural problems. And they are afraid that they, uh, the whole uh, reservoir will be collapsed, mm -hmm. so they have to uh, do some repairment. And the method to repair it is to fill the whole reservoir with the soil. I see. So they were making it safe. That was the yeah. that was the idea. Okay. And and was it just residents who who noticed that the, there were these um, beautiful brick columns then, or what happened? Oh, when the uh, project start to be, uh, start to dig, the resident nearby discover uh, they they can have a chance to look inside the reservoir. So they discover, oh, it is a beautiful place many historical things inside, such as the Ark, the Roman-style Ark, or some old pied with the number 1909 and 1932. And, and then the resident found it, it may be a heritage, so they want to keep it, to conserve it. So they call us, and we call, it, uh, we call to the public, so, uh, we, and also call to stop the project. Mm. So if we look towards the future, Mr. Ho, you yeah. know, in, in London we have um, Charing Cross is a familiar area to many people where they have turned these, um, not like, not exactly like this, but the old arches have become uh -huh. nightclubs night and um, social facilities. Surely this would be a, a marvellous place to become, uh, well, for film sets or for um, yeah. gathering, entertainment. There's, surely there's unlimited potential for something as beautiful and remarkable as this. Sure, you're right. Many people go outside so for, to travel is to want to see such heritage. And now you don't need to go to other places. You can stay in Hong Kong and have a side visit about that. Yeah, Frido Chang, what would you like to do with this site? Uh, I think you mentioned uh, the, the Paddington uh, Reservoir Gardens uh, in uh, Sydney, and, and Guy has sent us a very interesting uh, website with a lot of uh, pictures of that uh, site. That's kind of been made into an urban park with kind of modern architecture slotted in uh, around it among the sort of Victorian uh, water infrastructure, which gives a, a, a nice effect. Would you, you know, what would you like to see Frido Chung done with that? Or do you think it's, we should be up to the local residents or what? I think um, really we should actually um, engage the local residents because this has been the site which is frequented by the local residents 
um, they have um, an attachment. And they are the general stakeholders um, of this site because, I mean, they have been using this facility for the longest time. So, I mean, it's we really should and, well, there should be a genuine public engagement exercise, you know, when it comes to um, thinking about the most suitable adaptive reuse scenario. And what would be the options, do you think, that the locals would like to do with it? I mean, it has been used as a recreational space, so in my opinion, which is why I actually pointed towards the, uh, the Paddington Reservoir mm. example, because I think it's actually very, um, yeah, it's a very ingenious way to actually make use of that sunken space and turning it into a sunken park source. And in any way, because the um, architecture itself is actually quite remarkable. I mean, the archways, you know, it's simply sublime. Um, and it will become a very distinguishing feature, which, is, which can actually draw, you know, not just local residents, you know, from around the city, but also, you know, it becomes a very important heritage asset, which can be used to tap into cultural tourism. Absolutely. And uh, could... Sorry, sorry, I, I just going. want to add one point. Uh, originally, there's residents nearby, they build some recreational amenities by themselves on the Bishop Hill, just on the top of the reservoir. So the will of the residents is now want to conserve this place and also make it to public so that everyone can enjoy it and the residents nearby can still do sport or do some recreational activities in the reservoir or, in, or with this historical heritage. Sure. Yeah, so, yeah. so to to turn it into a park or something like that, or that would be the ideal thing. So the ideal things for the resident would be to conserve it as a historical heritage. But in the meantime, this heritage can be a, a public place for the resident to have some uh, recreational uh, activities. So how would it work? You'd preserve the flat top, or would it be opened up like the Colosseum, you know, for for all to see with an open roof? Or would it be, remain oh, a subterranean yeah. feature with a flat top with grass on it? We can learn from the uh, overseas. There are some heritage parks, and this land, uh, this place is a special place. When we uh, make it uh, public, we find it, we can... Uh, make it into a um, what, uh, so-called like a dream, uh, special dream room, a gym room, because it is a very large place, and many areas they can play uh, table tennis inside it. They can play uh, badminton, or even they can do gym inside, because uh, if you go to the Bishop Hill, resident uh, nearby, they build the... Uh, uh, some gym activities or some amenities uh, among the whole hill. So these kind of amenities, they can move into the reservoir so they can do it into inside it. So they think uh, conserve this place and make it public so that they can do the daily life activities inside the reservoir. Mm. So how big is it, say, you know, what are the dimensions? It's 4,300 square meters. That's quite big. That's quite big. Yeah. It's very big. Mm. It's enough, enough space for doing that. 
So it would keep the roof on the top then, so you'd go inside and it would all be lit with electric light, but on top you could preserve... Oh, 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 oh sorry, can you repeat? I can't hear you. Well, I'm trying to in- visualise what it would look like. So supposing you do do all these things inside the reservoir area, would it be then exposed, uh, maybe with a glass ceiling or, or something, or would it be keeping the existing top on it, which is grassy and looks like a football pitch, I imagine, from what I've seen? Oh, I see. Actually, you don't need to. You don't need to do any special thing. Just keep the uh, just keep the environment or the original environment is fine. And the point is, why the WSD need to fix this place is the uh, structural problem. So I think we we just need to make it safe, make it uh, to fix the structural problem. Then it is fine for all the people, for all the stakeholders. Mm. Fredo Chung, I mean, what, what, you know, we've had sort of successes and failures, I think it's fair to say, in, in Hong Kong and mixed results sometimes. We have the uh, the 1881 uh, centre in, in Chim Sa Chai. Uh, we ha- and of course we have Central Market as well, and I've, no- I've completely lost track of what's happening <laughs> in Central Market. You can't see anything I think yet. it's 20 years now since they, since they closed that and they still can't decide uh, what to do with it. How do you think we're doing? Do you think, there's a, the, do you think there are successes as well in, our, in, uh, in Hong Kong? Well, I think in terms of uh, it's actually So something like heritage hotels or kind of boutique? Yeah, that's right. Premises as long as it can sustain itself. Yeah. So like the Crown Wine Cellars in Deepwater Bay Drive, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, that's actually a very good example. I mm. mean, um, it's a very ingenious use of a very of military heritage, which otherwise, you know, there's no other use. Nobody could think of any other use, but you know, for some reason, it just works. It just clicked together. You know, the adaptive reuse scenario of you turning into a wine cellar. You know, it just works, so that's perfect. And then generates enough income, which you can actually put back and then into maintaining that historical structure. 
What, what, what say the question of the roof, though? Would you on this in this site, for example, the roof was an integral part, wasn't it? Because the roof was it's supposed to be, as you said, a covered a, a covered reservoir. So would you uh -huh. leave the roof on, or it might be more attractive as a park if you take it off? So what would you do, Fredo Chen? Well, even if in the work and in one of the adaptive reuse scenario where I, um, you actually open up a portion of the vault. Um, I would say that you would still actually need to keep a portion of that concrete vault on top because it's actually quite significant because most people don't realize that um, the use of concrete in Hong Kong actually occurred around the same time, you know, when this reservoir was uh, constructed. So it's around the uh, turn of the, well, yeah, the turn of the century, so early, um, late 19th century and, 20th, and early 20th century. So if we actually look at it from a heritage conservation perspective, you know, the use of concrete to actually construct that vault, which provides the coverage for this reservoir, is actually historically significant because it marks a transformation, you know, in the use of construction materials from the past using stone masonries and bricks to actually construct the arches to a modern material, concrete. Does concrete last that long? I thought it had a limited lifespan. Generally, but then you know they can actually last longer. Um, but for concrete, you know, the, well, in the past, most people say that you know they last for only 50 years. That's not necessarily true because it actually applies to reinforced concrete only. And the reason why reinforced concrete structures can only last 50 years is because you know you may have problems with concrete spalling. The rebar implodes because of the reinforcement bars, mm. you know, corrosion. You know, it expands, metal expands, and it just forces the concrete apart. Whereas in this scenario, it's, they were just using concrete to actually, well, they, they poured the concrete on top, you know, using a scaffolding or a formwork, and then to cast these series of vaults. And there's no reinforcement involved. So technically, I think these concrete structures can actually last much longer. I mean, a good example would be the... Um, the Pantheon in Rome. Yeah, I was going to say the Romans invented concrete, didn't they? They started using it, so... Yeah, but yeah, but it was only rediscovered, you know, later on, you know, towards the, um, yeah, around the 18th century, or actually the 19th century, really. There and then go. with the introduction of reinforced concrete technology, you know, that brought us into the modern age of construction, so we're using reinforced concrete. While you're, while you're here, just, just to finish off, uh, we heard a comment on Facebook from Merrin, Merrin Pierce, who says, on the topic of boulder trackways, the path from Luk Te Tong in Moi Wo up to Nam Sham is claimed by the local village chief to also be two or three hundred years old, and that should be preserved. And Merrin says, more trackways, as mentioned by Guy, are on his site... Uh, which you could find by googling Hong Kong Boulder Trackways, one word, Hong Kong Boulder Trackways, uh, will le will lead you to that site. Uh, Fredo Chung, are you aware of these uh, Boulder, the uh, the, uh, uh, the the paths and, and trackways, uh, often through uh, rural areas that are made from uh, large stones that maybe hundreds of years old around Hong Kong? And, and uh, any thoughts on those as a subject for preservation? Yeah, I think. Um I've heard about these, and then I think there really needs to be a, um, I think further research actually needs to be conducted to confirm, you know, the, um, the prominence of these uh, boulder trackways. And um, 
I think the best way to actually go about it is to actually um, submit the query or actually um, to file, I think, um, this report to AMO and the AEB so that they can actually discuss it, you know, in, within their, well, in their meetings. Hmm. I think that's the best way to actually go about it at the moment. Yeah, they have, they have tried that. But anyway, that's, a, that's another can of worms. Uh, for the moment, thank you very much indeed, for, uh, Fred A. Chung, architectural conservationist, assistant lecturer in the Faculty of Archer at the University of Hong Kong, and Calvin Ho, the district councillor in uh, Sham Shui Po. Uh, confused, says, when did Hong Kong immigration allow Romans to have a work visa for manual labour? Because you keep saying it's Romanesque. Thanks very much indeed uh, for that. And Lewis says, how about using it as a wine cellar, similar to the one in Shushan Hill, or its proximity to the police club and Prince Edward MTR may make it an excellent place to store all those dead bodies that the nihilists claim the police killed during the riots. That comes from uh, Lewis. Uh, and Alan says, Development Bureau are maybe pushing for vacant government land to be developed. The rezoning of green belts is an example. Check as to whether the rezoning exercise uh, is underway. That comes uh, from Alan. Thank you very much indeed for all the interesting comments this morning. And many thanks to you. We're back at 8.30 tomorrow, leaving you with the weather. It's going to become cold appreciably. Fine and dry temperatures getting up to 16 degrees uh, during the day and then falling further to around 10 degrees in the urban areas at night. There's a strong one soon signal now, a cold weather warning and a red fire danger warning. 14 degrees, relative humidity, 53%. The symptoms of COVID-19 can be mild. Don't go to work or school if feeling unwell. Wear a mask and consult a doctor promptly. Ask doctors at accident and emergency departments, general outpatient clinics, private hospitals or clinics for free testing provided by the Department of Health. Return the specimen to a designated collection point or use the door-to-door -door specimen collection service for a fee. Test promptly for early detection. 934, the news with Samantha Butler. The U.S. President-elect Joe Biden has criticized distribution of the coronavirus vaccine, saying it's fallen behind schedule under the Trump administration and that at the present pace it would take years to vaccinate the population. He warned the country faced a tough period fighting the pandemic. A case of the COVID-19 variant discovered in Britain has been detected in the state of Colorado in what's reported to be the first such instance in the United States. A statement from the Colorado governor said the patient, a male in his 20s with no travel history, is currently in isolation. And several European countries are considering tightening restrictions to tackle the rising numbers of coronavirus infections. The British government will review its tier system today after more than 50,000 new cases were recorded in the latest 24-hour reporting period. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Thanks, Sam. Good morning. This is morning.